0: Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know this, but you need to be creating content probably every single day, especially if you're in business, if you want to even have a chance of uh, being successful in this new digital world. And today's guest is going to be here to talk to us all about that content creation space and turning it into a revenue generating business platform. So let's get this one on the road. Here we go. Shut Shut up and sit down. Look. A business can give you everything you want in life, prestige, wealth, freedom, It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs, but before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of... are you struggling to attract more customers to your online stores are you finding it difficult to increase your revenue without breaking the bank on marketing Well, our guest today is here to help. With over a decade of experience in creating attention-grabbing marketing strategies, she knows exactly what works and what doesn't when it comes to positioning your brand and turning visitors into paying customers. So get ready to take notes and implement the marketing systems and strategies that our guest is going to share today. So let's welcome to the show, the one and only Haley Kalani. All right, Haley, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. My goodness. I'm like pumped after that intro. I'm like, sweet, ready to go. I love it.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Look, we are all about creating some fun content. I got a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but first and foremost, uh, you happen to be stumbling upon our show uh, right after ChatGPT 4 was released, uh, or at least the beta version out there. And these are like some amazing, exciting times, especially when it comes to creating content. So before I even get into any of the other questions, what's your opinion on content creation and AI?
1: I absolutely love it. First of all, I have been using chat GPT ever since it came out to make my life easier with content. There's also a lot of ways to creatively use chat GPT and AI in general to help bring out the creativity that we already have. And so I think a lot of the conversation that's happening is, well, you know, AI is going to take over some of the jobs or opportunities or things that we have now, which I think, sure, to an extent is definitely true. However, I think that the the conversation that really should be had is like, how can we leverage it to our creative advantage to make us even more creative? Because there's, there's ways that you can bounce ideas back and forth with chat GPT and other AI tools. And then beyond the simple, you know, conversational aspect or the researching aspect of AI, there's going to be literal video creations where you can just type in what you want the video to look like, and it'll spit out that video. So especially for things like e-commerce, like that's going to be huge
0: yeah it's uh it's a definitely an amazing time that to be living in i I keep referencing this tool this tool this tool because that's exactly what it is we're not quite at the irobot or the matrix style where the computers are going to come over or the terminator and take over everything maybe in the future we're not there yet skynet is not fully operational but it is definitely a tool that we can use right now so you are in the e-commerce space what are some common mistakes that you see e-commerce businesses making when it comes to their marketing efforts? I mean, everybody, I see it on TikTok all the time, make $5,000 a day, $1,000 a week, whatever you want to talk about. Um and it's all talk until it comes down to the marketing effort. So, what are the mistakes that people are making in that space?
1: I think a big part of the mistake is one that I see a lot of focus on paid advertising which can be great, but in the beginning stages, like if you're just starting to do e-commerce or if you're just starting to make your first five K, ten K, whatever, then advertising probably paid advertising probably won't be your best tool because you don't have enough data to really figure out how to maximize your dollars from those ads, whether they're on Google, whether they're on Facebook it doesn't matter where that paid ad is but if you can have organic content first and you can have a lot of data points from what's working really well what people aren't really attracted to what types of keywords and phrases that people are really resonating with then you can put that into your advertising and it will make it 10 times better you know your conversion rates are going to be a lot higher than they would be before without having that Data set or the knowledge of the creative that goes behind the advertisement. Oh, I can't hear you for some reason.
0: That's because I hit the mute button, of course. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's a that's a Zoom uh, a Zoom technique right there, right? You start talking <laughs> like a Muppet, no problem. All right, so uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The content creation space has to be something that everybody gets used to. This is why for us, it's all about, let's create a podcast where we interview people, we learn something, we take these clips, we chop them up, we put them on social, and we see what works. What are people resonating with your message? Because at that point, when you have clips that are doing well that uh you have clips that are doing well that are that are successful online through an organic pace then it's a lot more you feel a lot more confident when you turn around and put paid ads behind it because you know organically your audience is already connecting with this messaging so how do you recommend that e-commerce businesses attract more customers without spending that ad spend, uh, maybe other strategies that they can use on the organic side so that they're not blowing their, all their all their marketing revenue right off the bat on ad spend, especially when they don't know which content pieces are gonna do well.
1: Yeah, I think social media will be your absolute best friend. Um, and I know that TikTok is really popular right now, same thing with YouTube shorts, but for e-commerce specifically and, and products, those platforms are, super super valuable because not only do are they almost guaranteed to have your target customer on there but the range and the reach that you can get from those platforms is immense and i think that when we think of trying to create content around products it feels very like an advertisement or like sales i think if we start to get away from i'm selling a product to I'm showing the application or the situation or the experience that people have with this product, that is what's gonna make the real difference. So social media where you be your best friend organically and then crafting a message or a story around the product. So for example, let's say you sell a lot of fitness stuff and protein shakes is like your biggest seller. You know, protein shakes by itself If you're going to make a piece of content about it and you're just showing what it is and what it looks like and what it tastes like, that is a piece of content. And I think that that's probably something you should put in the mix, right? But the 90% of your content that you're putting out should be, you know, a a story around the protein shake in a sense is like, this is what my morning routine to go to the gym looks like. And then part of that is you putting your protein shake in the bag, go and do your workout. And then after your workout cracking that baby open, chugging it and be like, oh, this is my favorite flavor. It feels like you're shopping with friends. It doesn't feel like you're being sold to. And that's the biggest differentiator in organic. It's probably going to make the biggest difference.
0: I think we also, when it comes to content watching, we want to see people being people right we don't really want to see people selling to other people we want to see that whole interaction i think that's why a lot of times when we look at content online and it's super raw it's filmed on a phone it's shaky it's just walking through whatever we're doing in our day those types of content pieces tend to do really well especially on places like tiktok where you turn around and have affiliate links or or whatever it is that you're selling and they do better than the than the I don't know, the one that you kind of pay a videographer to come over and and script it all out because of that organic feel to it, people just want to kind of resonate with them. So if if I was going to look for like a simple marketing system that an e commerce business can kind of implement to help improve their conversion rate, because right now, I mean, let's face it, you're creating organic, you're driving traffic, but if we can increase that conversion rate, people actually taking taking that next step and putting their credit card or booking that call what are some of those simple marketing systems that e-commerce businesses can do to help improve that
1: yeah i think it depends first on where the conversion is right And, and looking where the weak link might be because you might be converting a lot of the attention from social media and getting a lot of clicks and traffic to your website or your sales page or your landing page And that may be great. And then you look at the metrics on that end, on your landing page and sales page, and it's like really low. And so figuring out where that issue or that challenge or the hurdle lies first is really important. And it might be vice versa, right? Maybe when people do get to your website, they're converting like that. But for whatever reason, you're not getting a whole lot of traffic there. So first figuring out, okay, where, which conversion do I need to focus on? I think for the most part, especially with people who are in e-commerce and that are younger, that for whatever reason, naturally, because we've been using this technology for longer, um, we're more used to being able to create content that's pretty engaging. So I would imagine that people who are doing e-commerce more so have a struggle on the sales page side or the landing page side. And that's really gonna come down to a few things, but a few systems or, or tools or strategies that you can use on that end is definitely gonna be your sales page copy. And the first thing I think of is we wanna be as detailed as possible without saying the same thing over and over again. So if we continue with the protein strategy or protein shake uh, example, I mean, we can of course give the product description, but then if you can spell out or paint a picture of the applications used, for the protein shake, kind of like you did in your content, in your sales copy, that's going to increase your conversion rates for sure. And then on the creative side, looking at your product images and then also potentially your product videos, similarly creating the experience of making those things into pieces of content. So not just a picture of the protein shake, maybe that's one of them in, in the carousel of 10 pictures, But the other few pictures are somebody at the gym, somebody with the protein shake on their desk because they're having it for lunch at work, somebody who's going on, you know, is sweaty from their walk and they're there or they're with their kids and they brought this as their their adult snack, right? Whatever applications that the product could be used in, use those in the pictures so that people can visually see themselves using it. Um, And if you can throw a video in there doing that same thing, that would absolutely help boost your conversion rates. Um, Another thing that just popped into my mind is the offer itself. Right. Like if you have a really good offer, whether it's a discount or if it's a bundle or whatever, where you get buy this, you also get this. That can be really useful, too, and just kind of sealing the deal.
0: And i kind of wanted to piggyback off what you were saying earlier about tracking the numbers whether you're getting traffic or whether you're getting a good conversion rate oftentimes it's you got to be able to see that data so a a system that you can utilize is something like what i use i use go high level we can create our own landing pages all the time you can literally see where the traffic is is coming from and if you know that what we call it is a, a leak analysis right where is where's the hole in your process is it in the attracting attention part? Is it at the landing page part? Is it um, you know is it at your thank you page? Where are your customers falling off? And then that way you can focus that attention like you were saying on on the creative to help adjust that flow at that point. Um, when it comes to like making like feeling balanced as a creator there's both the attention grabbing but there's also the information right i want to make sure i grab your attention but i also want to make sure i give you some information so that customers can actually make an informed decision how do you balance between the two how do you make? is it like do i spend most of my time doing a lot of attention grabbing or do i spend a lot of time doing informative or is there like a nice little blend of the two Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i definitely believe that there's a blend of the two i think that with each person and with each business, naturally you gravitate towards one side. I tend to be, even though I'm very creative and I help people with their creativity, create creative content, I tend to be more informative. I tend to lean into that side. And so for me, I, if I know that kind of like what we're talking about with the leaky bucket, where's that hole coming from? Same thing with the skills that you naturally gravitate towards what am i not really focusing so much on that i could be practicing more and so your balance may actually look more unequal to somebody else's balance right but finding out what that balance looks like for you and then practicing both a lot but especially practicing the one that you may not be as skilled in or or as naturally talented in as you know some some other random person so i think that with attention versus information, nine times out of 10, we know what like that information is gonna be. And so for me, outlining what the video is gonna look like or outlining what the article or the post or the sales copy should look like. And there's more frameworks for attention and keeping attention. I believe that if you just use those frameworks, the attention side of the equation is taken care of. And you can just focus on plugging in the vital information. So with attention, with videos, you know, that first three seconds, right? How can we make that something that's super valuable? How can we spell out that problem or the topic that we're talking about right in that first three seconds or the first sentence? And then there's other attention grabbing and retaining techniques like cutting every couple of seconds, having captions right at the front, having other videos or b-roll or images kind of overlaid, having something in the foreground, middle ground, background. So there's things like that too that hold attention. And I think that that's more of a framework. And if you can just plug that into your editing, you've got the attention part good. And then for the information, you just want to make sure that the type of information that you're giving is something that actually is beneficial to the listener or the viewer or the consumer of the written content. So if we're talking about protein shakes, again, they don't necessarily need to know, like, a ton about the flavor if it's just chocolate, right? So we would talk more about the information of, you know, if you're really selling it to, to big bodybuilders, how much protein is in it, right, compared to what other foods or what other things or how much time it'll save you. Other than meal prepping so that's the type of information you want to want to plug into your content rather than just like the specs of the product
0: all right and i love i love the fact that you kind of went to the framework thing right and you you mentioned two things there one was not everybody has this uh, or everybody has a natural talent but i also feel like that presence and who you are will develop over time on social media especially if you start creating content on a regular basis you'll find your voice you'll find your messaging you'll find your cadence your rhythm all that cool stuff as you start creating more and more content but the other side of that is the frameworks, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Literally, we talked about this at the very beginning, you have tools like ChatGPT to lay out a great framework for you to kind of go off of. And you don't have to memorize or use the script word for word, but it gives you a good idea as to what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, and then it's up to you to practice actually creating the content. Uh, I'll give you an example. I literally have questions that I use ChatGPT to create for this interview. Doesn't mean I got to read them word for word, but it gives me an outline of what I can talk about with with somebody who is a content creator. And at the same time, I get to add my own two cents like I'm doing now. Again, the framework is there to help you out. I love how you emphasize that. So uh, let's talk social media platforms, for example. Speaking of frameworks. every platform is a little bit different. I'm not gonna do the same thing on TikTok and expect the same success as if I did it on LinkedIn. There are crossovers, obviously, there are things that are important for both, but do you have any specific strategies or recommendations when utilizing different platforms so that we can do it effectively? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, the best strategy I can think of um, is more of like a a practice or, or a tool to just research, which is watch or consume a ton of content on that platform. And when I say like a ton of content, I mean like popular content, stuff in your niche that is doing really, really well. And I mean, on TikTok, like if you watch enough of them, they'll just keep coming up on your feed, right? So it depends on the platform, but whatever one you think your audience is on, which is definitely important watch as much content as you possibly can and see in the comments too, like go in the comments, see what people are commenting on about the video. What did they like about it? Look at, you know, I don't think that hashtags are like end all be all, but it is important for keywords, right? Like what kind of keywords are they actually using that are resonating with this overall topic on this platform? So, in general, just consuming a lot of the content on there. Now, this is kind of tricky, right? Because we can get sucked in and it starts being less about research, more about just having fun and you're like, oh shit, it's been two hours and I've scrolled through a bunch of TikToks. And now what I originally searched is not what I'm watching anymore. So I think if you can give, yeah, if you can give yourself maybe a time limit, right, do it for a week, get that research in and then write that shit down. Make sure you're actually applying what you are learning instead of just assuming that you know everything and then trying to go recreate it yourself. Write down the things that stood out to you most, write down the things that are most popular um, and write down creators you like a lot and continue following them and continue watching their content because that will, I think the process of subtle imitation helps bring out more of the creativity and application in your own service or in your own products
0: or whatever you're selling. I, I love that you said that subtle imitation, right? In school, we called that copying or we called it plagiarism, right? And it's funny because uh, I, I really emphasize that with my students, they're about to graduate and um, we're literally doing like presentations on different AI softwares to make their life easier. Uh, and a lot of them have this mentality of, I, I can use it to cheat on my essay, I can use it to cheat on this homework. Uh, and eventually what I want them to get across is, it's not cheating. You're taking a different approach to creating new content, right? In real life, when you're talking about your strategy, what you just said right now is look at people who are already doing it successfully. Why would you want to reinvent the wheel? Why not just look at people who are already successful, take their framework, right? And then make it your own along the same lines so that you can create content that you know is already successful. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is why we had. Books at the very beginning of, of the information age, because we wanted to transfer knowledge so that you could use that knowledge and implement it yourself. It's not copying; it's learning and implementing. And I love that 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 kind of distinction. I'm going to be using that subtle implement or subtle uh, what you call it? imitation, because <laughs> that's yeah. really, really what it is. So, how do you determine then which marketing channels are the most effective for your business to measure success? Like, I don't want to start creating a, a product or service on TikTok when it would be more effective on LinkedIn or, or Facebook or vice versa? How am I gonna pick the right platform?
1: Yeah, the first thing is to make sure that the person who's buying from you most often is on that platform in excess. Like they're the main person using that platform. So for me, because I'm a marketing coach and I work with a lot of different size businesses and marketing teams, that's gonna be LinkedIn. I know that there's business owners, I know that there's CEOs, I know that there's CMOs, I know that there's teams and other entrepreneurs there. And although I could be on TikTok and I have made videos on TikTok, um, my primary audience that pays me money over and over again is not necessarily there. And so that's one part of it, making sure that the person who buys from you is in excess on on that platform. The other thing too, I really think is important is the platform that you also feel most excited to post on. And the reason why I think that's so important is because if we don't like doing it or we find it extra challenging for whatever reason to post on that platform, we're not going to be consistent in doing it. Like, I love consuming TikToks. It's not my favorite platform to create on for whatever reason. I don't even really know why. But I found myself not really doing it And so if you go on there, there's maybe like 10, 20 videos and that's it. Could I be better? For sure. But is that the best use of my time when I naturally am better and more excited to consistently post on LinkedIn? Yeah. Got thousands of pieces of content on LinkedIn. And so that's going to benefit me a lot more. Um, The other side of this is right, like metrics. So if you have a way to track where the traffic is coming from, as we were talking before, If you cast a wide net and you start posting, let's say one piece of content uh, on every single platform, you've got the YouTube, you've got the Instagram, you've got the TikTok, you've got the LinkedIn, and you just try all of them if you have the capacity to do that, because that is a lot. And then just see which one is responding best. So if Instagram is not responding that well, then you don't have to really do that one. You can take that one out of the system of the funnel. Same thing with any other platform, just try it out, see where the traffic is most resonating, the people are most excited to consume, where you're getting the most engagement and feedback from, and continue doubling down on those platforms, and then get rid of the ones that you're not really stoked about, ones that aren't resonating, and ones that don't really have your target audience.
0: Yeah, that, uh, that target audience is always hard to find. Uh, you uh, almost always assume that it's where you are and it's not always the case. And I like how you kind of explained that that difference, right? I consume TikToks doesn't mean I like to create TikToks uh, and and uh, and kind of paying attention to your data. Where are people actually connecting with you? Because that, that does make a huge difference. Um, what about the sales copy? Um, is part of creating good landing pages is having good sales copy that'll convert the visitors into paying customers. What are some of your strategies that you're using today to make some good sales copy? And uh, and I know we kind of mentioned it a little bit on the conversion side, but um, is there anything that kind of helps increase conversions on these landing pages versus other types of copy?
1: Yeah, the more informed and understood somebody can feel, the more likely they are to buy. And you can't really make somebody feel super understood or super informed with copy that is kind of shortened to the point. Like we can say, hey, this is a protein shake. You want to buy one? You can use them after the gym. Like that's one way to do it. But if you go into in depth about all the different things you're able to do with this product, all of the ways that this is going to make your life easier. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to make your relationships better. If you can tie it to that, like if you can paint that picture in as much detail as possible, that is the most important part, I think, of sales copy. And then the other part is kind of as we've been talking about framework, right? So. that first few sentences not only do they have to be really relevant to the product that you're selling but also they have to grab and hold attention so with services i think it's a little bit easier because you know if you're you have a service page and you're selling a course or something then or i guess that is more of a product but if you're selling like a consultation or something you can have like seven days to you know, a fit body, right? Whatever that looks like, then you can have that headline with products. It's a little bit different. But you can still use that same framework of save two hours a week, no more meal prepping, you've got protein shakes. So that's going to get somebody's attention, they automatically know what it is, they automatically know what the outcome that they're getting is, which is saving time. And then you reinforce that headline over and over and over again in different situations or applications or experiences. And if you are able to do that for as much as possible without being like annoying, they will feel like they are informed and they will feel understood too. Cause they're like, man, yeah, it takes so long to cook 20 chickens for the week. Like, I don't wanna do that anymore. I just want my protein shake. And then you know, they click buy and they're all good to go. Another thing too is it's not necessarily on the sales page, but after the sale, if you can send them something immediately, whether it's another email or a video or a little coupon, something right after the sale that is of value or like even just a thank you, the conversion rate on then coming back to buy again is way higher. And within the first 24, 48 hours, probably less for products. Um, after they buy, they're deciding whether they want to buy again or not. So if you can reinforce, hey, you just made the best purchase of your life, they'll come back more often.
0: Let me ask you about branding because I, I I, mean, we are big on it. I hear a lot more about how it's, it's kind of where the future is going to be at, especially with AI kind of giving you the answer, less search queries um so do you recommend that an e-commerce business create a unique brand identity um to kind of stand out and and hit their target audience
1: yeah i think any brand identity is almost always more beneficial than none i think with e-commerce it can be challenging right because you're just selling a product so why would somebody be the face of, of that brand if i'm just selling you know, I whether it's niche products like you're selling lawn uh, equipment, or whether you're selling fitness equipment, or if you're selling the whole gamut, right? Like you're selling a, a bunch of stuff, and you're basically like a miniature Amazon. I think that that's harder if you don't have a brand, because then you're competing with every single other digital store out there. And so, if you can create a unique proposition around yourself. You're like, hey, these are the products I would die for and I live by and I would just recommend to friends and family and everybody that I ever meet because I love them to death. You can build a brand around you and your life and those products just happen to be part of your life. That's really beneficial. So to answer your question directly, yes, I think that you should build a brand and that might take some figuring out like, okay, what would that look like? But part of it is figuring out, okay, how do I want to show up online? What sort of vibe do I naturally give off? And how can I enhance that to be more relevant and prevalent on social media? So if, if you are like the fitness, buck, you are the one of your friends who everybody comes to you for fitness advice, and they're like, Oh, I want you know, six pack abs or whatever. And like, what kind of protein do you use? What kind of greens do you take? What kind of creatine? That is your brand. You are the fitness dude. And so if you can enhance that, whatever you are in real life into your content, you're natural. And you just do that consistently. and You show up over and over and over again. That will become your brand without forcing it to be.
0: I love that. Uh, What kind of vibe do I give off? I gotta ask that question a little more, often, Haley, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Shared a lot of great information, branding. I mean, creating content at scale. Where am I gonna put it at? All these are great topics that we talked about today. If people wanna reach out, they wanna learn more about what it is you do, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn at Haley Kalani, MCD. And I put a lot of content on there. So whether you do reach out to me or you just wait a little bit, you can find out more about what I do. I post a lot of marketing content, tips, strategies, advice. You can just DM me on there. You can also email me or go to my website. There's options to chat with me there. Um, and on my website, there's a phone number at the bottom. You can literally text me. So if you have questions, if you're just like, hey, I'm thinking about starting XYZ or I'm having a creative block, whatever that might be, DM me, text me, email me. Email me.
0: Oh, you're on mute again, I think. That's two times in one episode, <laughs> man, really. All right. So ladies and gents, that's what it takes. You're going to start building a business, whether it's e-commerce or anything. Otherwise, you need to start creating content and putting your message out there. How do you get in front of more people? Tell them what it is you do. You start creating content. Haley, thank you very much for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, her website's scrolling across the bottom, H Kalani consulting, H for Haley, by the way, hkalani consulting.com. Make sure you guys check her out. Uh, and uh, if you guys have any questions, reach out. I mean, at the very, at the very least, it's always talking to somebody who's already in that space because you never know whether you're going to connect, jive or not. Let's start with the communication and go from there. Haley, thank you very much for being on the show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace, and we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro